When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 191, SEO with Nat Militic. Hopefully saying that name correctly, but yes, the episode title is just SEO because we are cutting right to the chase. SEO, search engine optimization. You need to know it. I need to know it. Web developers need to know it, and content creators need to know it as well, but there are lots and lots and lots of questions out there where it's like, am I putting too many keywords in this? You know, I'm a developer, and I'm a junior, and I'm just learning. When should I start learning this? How important actually is SEO to a developer slash programmer? Should I know it? those type of things. Am I putting too many keywords in here? Am I spamming too many of those keywords? Is Google going to flag me as a spammer or a scammer or something? Is there not enough so that Google is not going to detect this? Do I need to rank on other search engines like Bing? Bunch of questions going through your mind, tons and tons of stuff. So we'll be hopefully answering a bunch of those questions with Nat's expertise in this area. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, share this with your friends. And Nat is an expert in, of course, SEO, but he's also an expert in WordPress. He runs his own web dev slash web design agency named Clio, which I will link in the show notes. He's also has quite the, quite the, quite the Twitter, apparently, quite the Twitter following. So go and check him out on Twitter as well. If you so desire, I will also be linking that in the show notes. Let's just cut right to the chase, get into all this SEO goodness. Let's go. Alrighty, everybody, we have Nat on the line here. And before we jump into this SEO-packed episode, Nat, how's it going? What you've been working on? How's your COVID life doing? And uh, what's what's going on? Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, things are good. Yeah, I can't complain. I discovered during the course of this COVID that I'm actually an introvert. I always thought I was an extrovert. So, like, I've been <laughs> I've been loving this home life. <laughs> so it's been pretty good. Um, just the usual, I actually, the only new thing going on in the last couple of weeks is I hired another SEO person to help me out with some projects. So perfect timing to talk about SEO because I'm going through a lot of kind of beginner friendly stuff as well and then training this new person and stuff like that as well. So perfect. And thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. And, and actually perfect timing, perfect timing for us too, because uh, we're going through a bit of an internal change and I'm going to have to be doing quite a bit of SEO. So I'm probably going to ask you a bunch of questions. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I can't wait for this episode actually. So <laughs> perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> the episode that Matt has been waiting for, for the entire uh, string of shows that we've had, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think let's just jump right into it, Nat. Uh, again, thank you for coming on. We've kind of had a back and forth conversation a few times on Twitter and Twitter chats and stuff like that. So great to actually get a voice to the name. Uh, but with SEO, like, I mean, I've read a lot of your stuff. It's really good, but I kind of want to get a baseline. So for the people that are just getting in there, what would you say is SEO or search engine optimization? 
Yeah, so search engine optimization is basically using uh, strategies that are both organic strategies um, and paid strategies in order to increase the search engine traffic to your website. So basically getting more visitors to your website from various search engines, not just Google. Um, you know, uh, search engine optimization is a little bit more people usually associate it with Google. It's actually a little bit more generic than that. We were doing SEO before even Google was popular. Um, there are other search engines as well out there that you want to optimize for as well. And basically, SEO is trying to get more visitors to your site. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good baseline definition. Just get more people, get more traffic and get more turnaround, right? Like it's, it's, exactly. that's the, the basic purpose of it. Obviously, it gets extremely more complex than that. And uh, we'll get into it shortly. But that's a great way to start it off right there. So a lot of our audience Perfect. is like junior developers, they're just starting out. And I've always wondered, like, when is the right time to start jumping into SEO? And I know it, it can vary, like I get that there's a lot of variables there. But from your mind, from your perspective, a person that's just learning like their HTML, CSS, JavaScript, their first like, you know, few months in, is that a good time to start kind of dabbling in the SEO side of things? Or does it really vary depending on what they want to do? Yeah, I'd say it varies. Um, SEO is like a, a fairly um, um, uh, big um, industry and, and, and big uh, area that, that people kind of start to explore. And especially when you start learning it, you realize that there's, you know, subspecialties within SEO. Um, it tends to get a little overwhelming. So the last thing I would want to do is overwhelm somebody who's already having a tough time learning HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, because that's that's overwhelming enough. Um, if I told people you have to learn SEO as well at the same time, it would be, <laughs> people would just quit, I think. So um, I would say it's not necessary to, to learn. A lot of developers also have to keep in mind um, you know, front end uh, and web developers specifically work on sites or applications that are hidden from the public, right? So they might be using, uh, they might be doing development on a, on a, on like an app, you know, that uh, doesn't have crawling and doesn't really, uh, isn't really searchable by search engines, right? So they may not need uh, to know a lot about search engine optimization. Um, so I would say it's optional, but it, it definitely gives you a, a leg up um, when compared to other developers that may not have the skill, right? So depending on what industry you're in and what type of work you do, I'd say in most situations, if you're a web developer, understanding the basics in terms of technical SEO, at least, would benefit you quite a, quite a bit um, because, first of all, you'd be more valuable to a potential employer because, you know, you wouldn't be making some, you know, SEO mistakes maybe that other developers that don't know SEO might be making. And then also if you're a freelancer, especially, this is especially true and can put you ahead of the competition quite a bit because, um, you know, almost everybody can, can make a website these days, but can you make something that you know, ranks fairly well on Google. Do you even know what to rank it for? That's where, you know, you can you could definitely make a difference and stand out from the crowd 
is if you understood those things as well. Um, so I think it's very, it's valuable. Is it, is it a must? Um, I wouldn't say so personally, but, um, but it's, it's a super useful skill to know. And I'd say it's, it's very sought after as well. Yeah. And I, I like that you mentioned, uh, first of all, the not needing SEO for internal apps. A lot of the apps that I've built actually are, you know, no robots crawling and all internal. Um, so you're completely right. You don't, in certain circumstances, I don't know what the percentage is. I'm curious, like the web developers out there, how many of them are actually building stuff for the general public and how many of them are building internal apps? Because I feel like the more I talk to web developers, the more I realize that they're actually building internal. Like there's just yeah. so many tools that are being converted for internal use. Yeah, exactly. I think um, I, I found that as well on on um, on Twitter. Like I used to post, you know, and, and I was actually getting prepared for creating a course on SEO. So I was kind of doing some market research on Twitter and I'd say, hey, do you think knowing SEO is important for web developers? And like, you know, I used to get a lot of likes and a lot of like mostly yeses. But then there were a few folks in the crowd that would say like, well, actually, I work on you know, these internal type, you know, like web apps that aren't crawlable anyways, that are, you know, um, not visible to search engines. So it's not as uh, critical for me to understand this stuff. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. You know, and I don't know what the percentage is, um, but I will say this, even those apps that are behind, like that are not visible by search engines, that are not crawlable, um, they will have a marketing site of some sort in order to promote that service. So any SaaS you have will have their marketing site where um, it, it's definitely going to be worthwhile knowing SEO and they'll definitely be using SEO tactics in order to pr promote that SaaS. Yeah, that, that's another good point. And I bet internally too, sometimes with large companies like Google, it actually probably matters a little bit, even internal SEO for other employees to be able to find the tools that they need to do, like crawlability, like making sure that everything is searchable inside your application, having the right text is kind of key, even for internal companies. So it's interesting, like, I think it's important that you also mention technical SEO, right? Because there is that distinction between technical and other stuff where like you're creating content and stuff like that around SEO. Um, totally. I'm just, I just want to kind of dive into that a little bit right now. What would you define as the technical side of SEO? Yeah. So that's a great question. And actually that's one of those subspecialties that I was talking about earlier. Um, so technical SEO is, is um, creating kind of like the, the structure and the schematics of the website um, and making sure that, for example, you don't have broken links, uh, that you don't have missing pages, that you don't have, um, uh, you know, that you have a site map, for example, that your site map is ordered correctly and you have broken links inside of it, things like that, that are more technical in nature. And actually <clears throat> there's... Um, a lot of the SEO tools, which is a great way to learn, by the way, um, like SEMrush and Ahrefs actually have this technical audit um, that's part of those tools. And they'll go through a, a, a huge number of, of uh, tests uh, when, you, when you do a technical audit that, to give you ideas of what's kind of comprised of that technical SEO score and what should and shouldn't be fixed, for example. So I'm just kind of giving you off the top of my head, 
you know, some of the examples that I know of, but there are, there are a number of different signals and things that you need to look out for when you, when you're trying to improve technical SEO. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty vast. I can't remember exactly. There's just probably thousands of different metrics and stuff, but it's, you know, it's structural um, website, enhancements and and issues that need to be fixed when when you talk about technical SEO. And some people just do this, like there are people in SEO that just do technical audits um, and fixes. There are people that do more of the off-page stuff. So usually in the SEO world, they call that on-page technical stuff. And then off-page is the other stuff that you were talking about, maybe creating content, promoting content, getting backlinks, things like that. What would you say is, or I guess how much of an SEO, I don't know, person or professional's job is it to actually go in and change stuff and how much of it is actually done by tools now? Because it sounds like there's hundreds, if not, you said hundreds, if not thousands of metrics or at least a lot of metrics Mm -hmm. and obviously a lot of changes from the technical side to the on-page, off-page, this and that. So. How much of it does an SEO professional have to know and actually go in and do? And how much do you rely on a tool? Because it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's too much for at least one person and even maybe even a team to fully grasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the tools will help you identify issues. In terms of fixing issues, you have to go into the code and actually correct them um, uh, or or. Um, sometimes it's more of a kind of like a setting or whatever that needs to be changed. I, I can dig into that a little bit more if you want later, but uh, to answer your question, it's the tools will give you the kind of the, what the issues are, what they found, where to look. But in terms of implementing those changes, um, usually a developer or a technical person needs to know that. Now, the, the only caveat to that is if you are using something like a WordPress, for example, and let's say you um, identify issues, you, you can have a non-technical person go in there as well and fix an issue without knowing any code. So for example, let's say you have a broken link within a page um, and it's just a broken hyperlink to a page that doesn't exist anymore. Like a non-technical person can go in and fix that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't need a developer. But there are some more... Um, more specific examples that are a little bit more technical. So for example, I'm working with the team right now that um, it has a React uh, website. And so one of the things we're working on right now is setting up a sitemap, a dynamic sitemap that updates based on the number of, uh, when a page is created or deleted, um, updates that sitemap. Uh, something like that, obviously, you need a technical person to do because right. um, you know they need to develop that I'm not even sure how it works in React. I'm sure there's like a library or something that you can implement that uh, can can automate that piece. But, you know, in those cases, you need somebody a little bit more technical. So in some cases, you would work with a development team. So if you're not a developer, there are SEO specialists that there are a lot of them, actually, <laughs> that are not technical specialists at all. They're not coders. They will you know, run a tool such as Ahrefs, for example, audit, and they'll say, hey, developer, here are all the issues that need to be fixed. Um, and then the developer will go through and make those changes, basically. So, so there's a bit of a mixture. It really depends. 
If we take that, if we take that WordPress example, just as one of the examples of the things that you laid out there, how, so, so to me, it's sort of like SEO is a bit of an enigma and I'm not really sure. Like I, I understand all the basics and stuff like that enough to advise, say, small businesses and media businesses that we work with. But whenever they say, Hey, I need, you know, a marketing specialist or I need to like really hit really good, like really fantastic SEO. I'm always like, Hey, you know, we can always get a specialist in. Like we can obviously do all the basics and this and that. But on mm-hmm. WordPress, you know, we've downloaded in the past something like Yoast. And I don't know if Yoast is, is uh, I know Yoast is still around, but I don't know how they work now. But how it used to work at least a number of years ago when I used it was it literally had a stoplight, red, you know, yellow, green. And you would basically chip away at the issues until it went green. Is that good enough for SEO? Or is there, I always felt like there was a deeper layer that I was like being told, hey, this is all good. But it's like, is this all good on one layer? Like, how does this work? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of people kind of struggle with that or expect to get like a green light on Yoast or Rank Math, which is another popular one. And then all of a sudden they're on Google on the first uh, first result. <laughs> and it doesn't really work that way. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So so um, WordPress plugins are great for SEO. Actually, the way WordPress is developed is actually, and I, it's my preference, honestly, for developing these like small to medium site size sites that are that want to focus on SEO. Um, and, and it's because of a, a number of reasons, but one of the main ones is that you can automate a lot of things in the SEO world that would take a lot of time to um, fix in a, in a traditional kind of JavaScript application or website. So one thing I gave you an example of, for example, is broken links, right? So mm-hmm. an SEO plugin, for example, in WordPress can identify those for you proactively, right? And it can say, hey, you have this many broken links or something more important like uh, interlinking. It would give you suggestions on, hey, you should link these two things together um, or you should set this to canonical or not. You know, it'll give you suggestions like that. And it'll also automate things like, let's say you forget to put in um, uh, alt description in an image or you forget to put in a meta description on a page. It, it can it can do that for you without you having to do things like that. Um, it also has dynamic sitemaps um, built into it, and and of course a CMS, which is important. So, anyways, long so short, for me, when somebody's interested in SEO, I recommend WordPress just because a lot of those things are already kind of done for you. But to answer your question, whether or not an SEO plugin is going to guarantee results, like if you get a green uh, green light or a thumbs up, um, uh, it really depends. It, it But usually it doesn't mean that you're going to get great results on Google just because you hit that. that it, this is only a small, small portion of what it takes. Um, there, there's a lot of people that are kind of... Um, like uh, accidental SEOs, you know, I call it accidental because they're like, Hey, like, you know, I see that on Twitter all the time too. Like, wow, like, like, look at all this traffic I'm getting, you know, I wrote, I wrote a few blog posts and, you know, I didn't need any backlinks or anything. And like, look, like I'm getting thousands of visitors. Right. And while that's great, um, it's probably for things that are not very competitive, but that have good search volume. So things that are, you know, great things are like technical blocks, for example, are great for getting traffic uh, from other developers, 
but um, they're not competitive because they're very specific um, as compared to something like you want to rank for, uh, you know, best website developer in Toronto. That's going to be a tough one, right? Because there's a lot of developers that know how to do SEO as well. So it's more competitive. Of course. And so, um, yeah, so there, there's, a, there's a few things there, but SEO plugins are great. We use them for all websites, actually. They help automate a lot of things. And using those signals is a great indication whether or not you're on the right track, uh, for sure. But as you learn more about SEO, you realize that maybe I don't need to focus as much on getting the green light. Maybe a yellow light is fine for, for this particular thing. And it has more to do with something else, which are those like uh, off-page things that I talked about. Right. I, I think it's a good time to kind of like dive into a little bit of those. But one thing I want to kind of preface this with is I know a lot of people like freelancers out there and people that are just getting into maybe like creating their own agency. A lot of them get this like get this question all the time where like I want to rank first on Google and I'm a dog food company or whatever and I want to rank first on Google for like a plumber in Hamilton or something. And I find it really difficult to set expectations uh, most of the time. Like sometimes it's a very good niche and you can find out and you'll be like, okay, we can probably get you, you know, in the, on, on the first page pretty confidently. But a lot of times it's like, well, you're you're going into a very crowded market we can't guarantee you the first page unless, you know, like I can't even give them a budget because there's just so much to do. How do you deal with those kinds of things in terms of expectations? Yeah, that's a great question because you're not going to be able to rank everybody for whatever they want. Um, and that's, that's really um, a, a hard part. Uh, definitely when you're working with clients, you need to set the expectations from, from the get go that, um, you know, some of those things can't be guaranteed, right? And they, as much as they don't like to hear that, that's the reality. I think any professional SEO company that I know and that I work with will will never say, yeah, we're, we're guaranteed number one, right? Like you'll, you'll see those things on Fiverr and stuff, but you'll <laughs> never see like a big SEO agency say, yeah, guaranteed, you know, number one spot on Google because it's, it's really, there's so many variables. And at the end of the day, nobody knows how the Google algorithm works <laughs> or whether or not if you are on the first page that you'll remain there forever, right? Because uh, things change, their metrics change. As people kind of learn how to game the system a little bit, then they change their algorithm. Because at the end of the day, Google wants you to pay for ads, right? So always remember that they want you to pay for their PPC, and they're always going to change the algorithm because if everybody knew how to get the number one place, nobody would pay for their ads, right? So one of the things that I usually do in terms of expectation setting is I do some research. So I never say to a client, hey, um, I'm going to rank you for this and this uh, spot before I do some research into their niche and into their website. Um, and then I can get a better understanding of how saturated that market is or what are some of the um you know available opportunities and then we kind of talk about the approach and it's tailored based on where they are and and uh, what they're trying to do um typically you know for new clients you want to kind of do a combination we do like paid and organic organic takes a little bit of time depending on the on the niche again and and how competitive it is 
Um, so usually it's a combination. Where it gets challenging is where you can't do uh, PPC like certain CBD aspects, for example. You know, CBDs um, uh, and and marijuana, for example, is like legal in Canada. So, uh, but in the rest of the world, you know, you can't advertise on PPC for for those types of things, right? So it gets a little bit more challenging. Um, yeah, so have to manage expectations hundred percent, and I would say you know do the research before you promise anybody anything you know to see if it's even possible yeah i think yeah that that's a really good overview i think the 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 mix like that's the key like, that a lot of people don't realize uh people are like well you i want to get there organically well if you're in a certain niche you're gonna have to pay like it's just the reality look like you just google the thing the dog food in your in your area yeah. and you see the top 10 people there are all paid so what are you gonna do like how are you gonna get into there so yeah, we've sure. had a lot of those conversations with people before and people are hesitant on that, but you're right. Like larger companies, uh, medium sized companies are all for it as long as you can kind of prove that it'll work. Um, mm -hmm. and I do want to get a little bit into that a little bit later, but first I want to cover kind of like the basis of SEO, the main topics of it, right? So if mm -hmm. we were going to go into learning SEO as a junior developer, what are the most important topics to learn maybe not even as a junior developer let me step back a little bit maybe as a again someone that's starting freelancing for clients so they're just starting to get into the small business clients they have like you know their uncle they have uh, another company down there and uh, they're starting to bring on more clients what is the most important thing for them to kind of learn first off yeah um so when i start so i'll, I'll just give you a little bit of a story when i started learning SEO. Like, I mean, I always knew basics and kind of like what you guys are talking about. I knew sort of my way around what you should and shouldn't do, but I never really dug into SEO um, until probably, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago that I really started kind of digging into it. And I started by trying to rank my own site for a particular keyword uh, in my area that's very competitive. And at the time, I didn't even know what keyword competition is or, or anything. I was just basically, like you guys said, trying to hit those green green lights, you know, on, on Yoast and then expect to be on the first page. And I was just getting frustrated about why I'm not on there. Um, and then I started learning more and more about, you know, but, but what it would take to, to, to get there, um, you know, to get to the first page and to, um, you know, how to improve that. So, you know, one of the main things I would suggest to people when they're getting started is is try to do a project so try to that's what that's that's how you'll kind of understand your deficiencies and understand what you need to learn is by trying to rank for a particular keyword so um you know let's say you have a web design site and you want to you know rank for web design toronto for example um you know, try try to optimize your site, for example, for those keywords so that you can, you know, show up on Google uh, on the first page. And then you'll kind of realize all of the different things that need to be done uh, in order to achieve that. And you'll kind of learn bits and pieces of what it would take to get there. Um, and, and that's what I usually recommend for people to get started is to kind of dig into a real project um, and, and learn that way, learn by doing. Um, because, um, and it doesn't have to be your site. It could be a client site. Uh, you know, you can explain to them that you're learning, 
Um, some clients will even pay if, if you have a good relationship with them and, and they trust you and you say, hey, you know, I'm going to apply some of these SEO things. I, don't, I can't guarantee anything, but it'll improve your site, um, you know, as, as a kind of learning opportunity. Um, I, I don't think anybody would say no to that, you know. Um, so even if you don't have your own site, you can do it for a client or whatever or your company. And uh, it's a great way to learn. And one of the first things I did was actually um, sign up for one of these SEO tools. Uh, I was using SEMrush at the time, mostly. And uh, I signed up for a free account. I put in my website URL in there and did an audit. And a lot of things came back about like what needs to be improved. And at that time, I, I didn't know like hardly anything about what they're suggesting and why they're suggesting it. And then I started kind of plugging away and learning in order to improve my site. And, and I'm still learning, like I'm not an expert. I definitely, you know, there's a lot of concepts that I still have to look up and try to understand that I'm constantly learning things that you do, that you do and you don't do. And, um, but that's the best way. Like if I was to recommend it to somebody to start, I would say, pick a project, do a project and, and learn that way. It seems to be like the very common way to learn anything really, because that's what we recommend, you know, project-based learning for web development too. Exactly. It's the only real way to kind of gra get a good grasp of concepts. If you're just reading stuff and not applying it, I don't know, at least for me and for probably like a good chunk of people out there. It just doesn't sit, doesn't make sense and you don't see the results, but you're right. Like if you have your own little web development business, apply, try to get that to rank and to see what it takes. Like there's probably a million different things you can do and Nat had some really good techniques. Try it. Like that's what I recommend everyone to and uh, figuring out like what what the proper tools to use. And we'll, we'll link a few of them, the, the ones that Nat was saying in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. But that's kind of you know, it, it makes the most sense. You're the most motivated to do it when it's your own thing. And then once you have a good understanding, you can dive in and kind of try to help other clients with the same techniques that you use and kind of get better. The other thing is like, Nat, you mentioned you're not an expert. And I think most experts always say that, you know what I mean? Like everyone that's, that's constantly learning realizes how much more they need to learn. And uh, it's just, it's one of those things that you just, it's a nonstop search and SEO, like you said, Google is constantly fighting us on it. They're constantly trying to trick us. They're well, not even trick us. They're constantly trying to push their own platform. And it's something that you can't ever say that, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I've, I've learned SEO. <laughs> like I'm done. Sure. I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the, those great things about Twitter and stuff too, is like following certain people and experts in the area. You realize that. You're like, oh, okay, I think I know quite a bit. And then you go and then you read some other people's stuff and you're like, oh my God, like, yeah, I don't <laughs> think I know anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's always, it never ends. And I'm that type of person, you know, like I, I think that's one of my biggest qualities uh, or best qualities, I would say, is like, I, I never give up, you know, and I'm always very eager to learn and I don't take no for an answer. So for me, it's like, I'll keep digging until I figure it out. There's no, and you know, there's no giving up. <laughs> so, so that served me well, especially learning SEO because a few times I was really close to giving up where I was like, 
uh, just this just doesn't work. This is just not never going to work. You know, I try to implement all these things and expect a better result. And then I get a little blip and like, and, and, and it's not what I expected. Like it didn't move the needle as much. Right. So I'd be like, ah, you know, I give up. And then a day or two later, I'm like, let's try something else. Right. <laughs> and then you find out what actually works and what doesn't. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like it's it's just one of those trial and error kind of things and it works, has to be for everything. I bet like when you go into a new client that you don't know their field, you have to do a bunch of trial and error no matter how good you are because you yeah. got to figure out what works. Yeah, for sure. The, the, there's some foundational stuff that, especially the technical stuff, um, that that's really kind of reusable across uh, different domains and different clients and different areas. Um for example, page speed, right? Like, you know, we know page speed is a ranking factor. Now we know that having a fast site is beneficial, right? So, you know, you always want to implement a a fast and efficient website. Um, You always want to have a site map, for example. Um, You always want to have a good technical score. So those are kind of must-haves, you know, for all of these engagements typically. But then when it comes to some of the off-page stuff, that's where it gets really uh, interesting and and um, and and unique for, for different industries and different clients. How much of SEO is because the impression I'm getting is that it's a it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process. So when you work with a client, let's say, you know, I, I let's say I hire you and I say, okay, take the HTML things website and you know SEO it. You go in there, you do a bunch of changes and stuff like this. How much of it is a process where like, should I be or like, or do you have an end date to your work where you say, okay, I'm done. And this is how mm-hmm. like I maintain it or Mike maintains it. Or do you work with us continually because obviously Google's changing things and we're making new content that may require some tweaks. Like how does that process work? Yeah, for sure. Um, it really depends on on the engagement. So some could be like a fixed duration, like two or three months, for example, let's say to, you know, to fix technical issues. Let's say you have a poor technical score and you want to get somebody in who knows the stuff, you know, fix it up, get it up to 100% and kind of walk away, right? Um, there are projects like that. We typically work with clients on an ongoing basis. And typically what it involves is, uh, the off-page stuff kind of keeps going and you do need to keep it up. So one of the main misconceptions I find that people have about SEO is that the organic stuff is free and the paid stuff is paid. Actually, the organic stuff's not free at all because you need to create content. You need to spend your time you know, creating that content. You need to spend your time doing technical improvements. You need to spend your time promoting your content which is one of the main things. So when I say promoting your content, meaning, uh, you know, acquiring backlinks, doing outreach, doing guest posts on other people's blogs, things like that, that never ends, right? Because your competition, uh, who is also trying to rank for those particular keywords that you're targeting, are also doing that. So, you know, you might be number one uh, on the number one page or number one result on Google for the organic results, but... Um, if some upstart, you know, all of a sudden wants to outrank you and they just do, you know, more, you know, better content, they do, uh, you know, they have richer information about that particular thing that you're targeting on their website and 
they have like they're referenced by you know uh entrepreneur or or whatever all these top publications as the the source for this particular thing well guess what you know it'll it won't take them very long to to overtake you right so mm-hmm. um it's an ongoing for for the most part it's an ongoing engagement just because of that um uh, constant need to kind of do the promotion, you know, create new content and things like that. How do you actually convince people? This might sound weird, but how do you convince people to make <laughs> content? So in our experience, <laughs> we'll have like a lot of small business guys where they'll be like, well, I have, you know, six pictures and four words on my homepage. And then I have 16 words across my whole site. You know, make it number one Google. And I'm like, what's the keyword? Like these 16 words? Like I need... Yeah. We need more. And I'm like, you can do the description and the title and, you know, your your basics and make sure your open graph picture looks nice for Facebook because a lot of these people are on Facebook. Yeah. And I'm like, but like, what else? Like, I need you to do something, like write a product description or something. And they'll be like, well, like, why would I write stuff? Like, I'm not going to write anything. So how do yeah, you exactly. how do you work with someone like that? Or do you just do the technical stuff and go, well, I mean, good luck. We we do both, um, but we have content writers as well. Um, I don't have any on staff, but I, I have quite a few that I work with depending on the project and the area. So if it's something, if they're interested in SEO, chances are they'll understand some of that stuff. Some may, might not, um, but you know, you need to explain to them that actually you, you do need the content, you know, in order to rank. Um, and, you know, if they don't have the ability to do that themselves, then we, um, then we, we contract that out to somebody else to do. And uh, it's very important. And it's important for, for blogging as well and creating content on an ongoing basis, because all of the business owners think, well, well, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll write, I'll write, uh, I'll write content. I'll write blog posts, all that stuff, but they never do. Right. (laughs) This is always more important stuff to do. And, um, so we we tend to subcontract that, and that's actually part of our plans as well as um, having the uh, content uh, uh, creation piece, you know, occur, you know, once a week, once a month, uh, or even more often in some cases. So, um, it for certain niches, it's very hard, like for plumbing or whatever, like you know, it's easy. Um, but for for certain niches like healthcare and things like that, it's it's very difficult because you really need to um, have accurate content, right? And so you just can't have anybody write the content. It has to be a specialist in that area, mm-hmm. and um, and so it gets tricky depending on the niche and stuff. But yeah, long story short, we we do subcontract that out. Yeah, I think that's the key, right? Like the content creation side uh, of things is always kind of pulling teeth with clients. I mean, for us, and that's why yeah. Matt, like, that's why I laugh because I was going to ask that exact same question. Cause every time that we have a, have a client that's like, I need to rank. And I'm like, well, are you going to write blogs or do you want to pay for someone to write blogs? You're like, no, like I just want to rank on Google. And then you have to, <laughs> you have to go through the painstaking process of explaining like, like, that's not how it works. Like you either have to pay for the ads or you have to pay for the content you got to choose one right. or most of the time, both. And that's where you kind of get into a wall and some clients will do it. Some clients won't, but like for the content creation side, let's talk a little bit more about that. It, it There's blogs, there's like, I guess, YouTube posts. The goal, what, what's the goal with content creation, I guess? Is, is it to get more people to backlink to your stuff, to share it, or is there something else? Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, it's, it's both. Um, you know, you want to get those backlinks 
um, you know, linking to the content that you created, but you also want to create content that'll attract uh, clients. I mean, if that's your goal, right? Like, I mean, um, there's a lot of technical folks, uh, for example, that just like to blog for the sake of blogging or helping somebody find an answer to a, a thing that they discovered or whatever, or maybe like a personal diary. Nothing wrong with that, right? But um, if you're looking to attract clients, you need to write things that your clients are searching for, right? Um, so a lot of the things on my blog, for example, that I do on our site is um, tailored to what you know business owners that would potentially buy from me would search for. Not so much like, hey, I wrote this cool function for WordPress, check it out. Um, you know, that's not really, that's going to maybe get traffic from other WordPress developers, but not from, uh, not from actual clients or worse yet, you'll get a client who wants to do their own coding stumble on that. And those are the worst ones. <laughs> those are the ones you don't want to <laughs> deal with anyways. So it's like, so it's, it depends. I would say target, you know, who your ideal sort of visitor or client is and write content around that. Now there is also the concept of, and this kind of gets a little bit more um, advanced, but in terms of like topical authority around um, certain, um, certain areas that you provide services for that may not even be so much around, um, you know, generating traffic per se, but, would it would have more to do with giving Google again a little bit more rich information about what your site is about? Um, this is something that people have been starting to implement more and more. Is um, um, I'll give you an example. It's probably the be the best way to understand it. So, for example, um, on my site, I'm you know web design or web development. Those are kind of the the keywords that I'm targeting. Um, and I have all of these services underneath my company. So I have my company website and then I offer these services, right? So I offer WordPress development, I offer website maintenance, I offer SEO, let's say, right? Underneath all those kind of areas, um, I want to have content that tells Google that, hey, I'm offering SEO services. Therefore, here's all this related content underneath that ser SEO services page to give Google the indication that, you know, this is what this website is about and to rank not only those blog posts below, but to rank some of those higher level pages, like the services pages or my homepage a little bit higher on Google for those particular keywords as well. And this is called uh, silos or siloing. If you guys have heard that term or interlinking, uh, it's basically structuring your website so that it builds up that topical authority as well in terms of having information about what your services are about and what your website is about. Um, that's also another, like, it's a bit of an advanced topic, but there is there are different strategies. So it really depends, uh, you know, when, you, when it comes to content creation, there could be a lot of different reasons um, that you would, you know, create certain types of content and not other. Uh, in order to, you know, improve the ranking of not only those blog posts themselves, but also some of those higher level pages. And yes, I mean, a lot of the links, the good quality links that you're going to get are probably going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, 
targeted to those blog pages that you wrote and not so much your homepage, right? It's not going to be as common probably um, if you're, if you're doing a good job kind of blogging, right? So it attracts those backlinks, which are important. Yeah. I think that it's, it's such a complex topic, all the different silos, all the interlinking, like there's just so much to it that it does sometimes, or most of the time require like a full-time attention, like a web developer that's doing JavaScript and all the other stuff and a SEO specialist in one is kind of like a pushback that I'm trying to do on full stack development. Like a web developer shouldn't, you know, shouldn't have to rely on himself to, you know, deploy the website and maintain the back end and, you know, do all the infrastructure. You're just putting too much on one person. It's the same thing with SEO. Oh, so it's it's interesting to hear all that. And like, it, it kind of solidifies in my head that, yeah, like if we were serious about SEO, Matt and I, and we wanted to start, you know, promoting it as a service, it sounds like either one of us would have to fully dive into it uh, or at least like half dive into it or whatever, or you bring on an SEO specialist, you bring on SEO helpers to, to kind of get totally. you there. Totally, totally. It's, uh, it's a lot of, uh, lot of, uh, uh labor, um, actually. And it's, uh, you know, regardless, regardless of the, the knowledge, you know, and the do's and don'ts, there's the whole kind of like, um, doing the actual work in order to improve some of these things as well that takes an incredible amount of time and you know that's why we we added as a kind of subservice so you know in terms of us launching new websites for example when we do that we'll say here's an add-on you can add you know to to this project and it's like seo tuning uh, or seo implementation initially for these new sites where we go through for example the keyword research we find uh, different keywords that might be applicable to your website, and then we implement them. And we also implement things like um, making sure that you know you're hooked up to Google Search Console, Google Analytics, if you want to track your visitors and things like that. Which you know it sounds fairly easy. And you're we used to, I, we used to think like as web developers, well, our clients will probably just do that themselves, right? But they don't know how to do that, or they don't have the time to do that so typically um you know it's a good little add-on as well but it's different types of scales it's different different types of services right so absolutely and i like that you meant the do's and don'ts right uh i kind of want to jump right into the don'ts right there so what are the most common issues that you see with seo like i'm sure you've seen a ton of different sites and i'm sure you've taken over a few sites that needed help what are the common issues yeah um so um, one of the main ones I think that I see all the time is probably uh, site performance. So uh, having a like really slow website um, that like is horrible on mobile and sometimes doesn't even work, you know, properly. Uh, that's one of the most common ones I see from like people that haven't probably done any SEO um, in the past. And then also uh, a poor technical score as well. Is another one. So the first thing we do typically is we run a, like a technical audit when we f- first start a new new project, and then it tells us, um, you know, what what some of the issues are, and then also uh, what the site performance is. We we run that always as well, like PageSpeed Insights, just to see where it's at. Those are kind of easy pickings. So that's kind of table stakes type stuff that you should do for every site. So we usually start with that. I've actually seen 
website rankings improve just by fixing those two things alone. So going through and fixing the uh, performance issues and fixing the technical issues. Um, and I've seen, uh, I've seen rankings improve just by doing those two things. Um, typically after that, and if those things are taken care of, the next step would be looking at the, some of the opportunities in terms of keyword research and tuning certain pages to, uh, for particular keywords. Um, that's probably the next thing. And then after you do both of those things, then you start looking at additional, um, you know, maybe website re-architecting, maybe content creation and content promotion in order to increase the traffic even further. Uh, but usually, like, you know, the most common things I see are issues when it comes to performance and technical problems. Like almost all of the sites we've ever taken over, you know, had one of those two two or both of those things are uh, absolutely horrible and that needed to be taken care of first, for example. Another, another very that I, I specifically want to mention because it's a mistake I made as well, um, and almost every new uh, uh, person getting into SEO mix is uh, backlinks. So everybody knows backlinks are important, right? So um, having backlinks point to your website kind of increases the authority in Google's eyes um, when it comes to, you know, your website authority and how, how highly it should rank certain things. Um, so almost everybody knows that backlinks are important. And um, so, you know, the first thing you do is like, okay, I need a bad, I need a lot of backlinks, right? Cause you look at some of the other, people and they have lots of backlinks and you're like, I need lots of backlinks too. And then you go on Fiverr and you're like, let's buy like hundred thousand backlinks <laughs> from, <laughs> from some random that guy on, on Fiverr, you know, I'm sure it's legit. And, and that ends up hurting you even more than it helps. <laughs> so that's one of the, that's, a, that's another really common one we see is like really crappy, backlinks from all these like link farms and things like that that actually end up hurting you more than they they help because google has caught on that people are doing this obviously so they will penalize you if they discover that you're getting certain types of links um and therefore you know quality over quantity <laughs> when it comes to backlinks that's another thing that i found as well as like and and that i've had personal experience with actually where you know, I bought some shady backlinks in the past and then had to disavow them and, and remove them and stuff. It was more work than, <laughs> than actually getting them. So, okay. yeah, so that's, that's a common one as well. That's a, that's a good little pitfall for people. Uh, thank you for that. We're definitely, definitely going to steer away from that now. <laughs> for sure. um, but yeah, so I guess once you do that, once you have like, once you're in the site, once you've done a little bit of SEO, once you've you know, uh, implemented your strategy, I guess would be a good way to put it. How do you then go and start tracking and measuring the SEO results? Like I'm assuming clients expect deliverables. They want to see where, where they're ranking. They want to see if you're converting and stuff like that. Is there a way that you like give them a report or how do you handle it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually, uh, we, it depends on the client to, um, but usually we have a report at the end of every month and we say, here's what we did. And we usually track like their, visitors as well. Um, with SEO, it's very, 
Um, it can be very, it should be objective. Sometimes it's subjective because uh, there's a lot of players in, in the SEO space that aren't, you know, completely ethical. So they'll kind of overpromise under deliver like the typical kind of thing. Um, and you'll see that, you know, your traffic's not doing much or your traffic's kind of flat or even worse, your traffic's decreased, um, which is not what you want. So it's fairly easy to track and find if you're fine, if you're getting results or not. Um, that's actually one of the main things that we do um, typically for clients is we, we create, uh, we hooked them up to some of those tools, you know, that are required for, for tracking. We also track using our own tools and we, we um, will, uh, we'll, we'll share those with the client as well. So depending on like the keywords that we're targeting, we'll say, here's where you were, you know, for this particular keyword, uh, or maybe you didn't even have it anywhere and here's where you're at now and here's so much traffic that's generating you, for example. So it can be very objective. Uh, again, with a lot of the clients, like it really depends where they're at. Um, if they have a bunch of technical issues and it's a huge site, you know, it might take us three months just to get it up to the you know right kind of performance you know where we want it to be before we can start doing some of this other kind of more strategic stuff um so it de really depends where they're at but yeah it's just more about transparency explaining why things are uh you know why you're doing certain things and why they should focus on certain aspects that you're recommending yeah, I think it all comes down to kind of clear communication. It's always like that with clients, right? Like they just want clear communication. And if you provide that, then you're on a good yeah. path to to good uh to good relations and and more trust. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's um it, you know, with webs web development, it's a bit more objective because you know they pay you to create a website and you're like, here you go, here's your website, it's up and running and it's good, right? Like, I mean, it's fairly easy, <laughs> easy to measure. With, uh, with SEO, it's a little bit trickier just because you they might not see the results immediately. Um, you know, they'll see some vanity type things like, oh, your technical score is better now. And they're like, well, great. So what does that mean? <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I'm not getting more traffic. So awesome that you did this, but like, you know, how, how does that help me kind of thing, right? And so it's, it's, it's trickier. It's not as... Um, it's not as easy as something like web development. It's a little bit harder to um, to show some of those results sometimes, and then also it's it's harder to um, uh, you know pitch them on some of these things that may not be in their eyes as important. It's a, it's a bit more subjective. So so SEO is is I would say SEO is a little bit easier to sell. Uh, in terms of a service, like people are are all very interested in SEO, small medium businesses, um, they they definitely are more. A lot of our clients are more interested in SEO than they are their websites. Um, <laughs> websites kind of like a means to an end. They just want to get more traffic and more leads, and SEO is a way to do that. Um, uh, however, um, you know, keeping those clients, uh, there's a, there's sometimes more turnover when it comes to SEO because. Uh, again, there, there's a bit of subjectivity to it. So it's uh, it's a bit of a harder um, thing to tackle. Um, 
the the other main thing is the the budgets right that's that's and maybe we could talk about that as well like if you want like in terms of like payments and how that works and and why why i mentioned budgets specifically yeah absolutely i mean if you're if you're down to talk a little bit about that i'm sure the audience would love it and i would <laughs> yeah <laughs> for well. sure yeah yeah so so a, a lot of it comes down to you know what what their budgets are in order to spend on seo and sometimes you know if they have a limited budget it's really hard to make a lot of significant changes in uh, of you know in in a good amount of time. Um, so I'll give you an example. Like let's say you know they're like, well, you know, I I want to spend five hundred bucks a month, and they have a site that has like sixty thousand pages, and they have a bunch of issues, right? Like a bunch of broken links, bunch of like you know all these technical things that we have to fix first, right? So, you know, with 500 bucks, it's going to take us a while, obviously, to do those things. And therefore, you know, they're not going to necessarily see results right away as, as with somebody who's spending maybe like 10000 a month, let's say, right? Think of it even uh, because it's, you know, cost for effort type of thing. And it's also uh, with SEO, even though some of these plans sound great for web developers that are starting out, you're, you're not, you're, you're like... You know, I always, people always kind of like um, their jaw drops when we say like, you know, our starting plans, like two grand a month for SEO. And they think, oh my God, great. I'm getting two grand a month, you know, from a client. But there's a lot of outgoing costs associated with that. Um, there is a lot of outreach. There is a lot of um, a content creation. There are kind of uh, expenditures when it comes to that. So it's not like, you know, all profit. The, the profit margins are fairly, I would say, lower than they are for web development. Um, and <clears throat> and um, and even if you had your own staff, if you weren't subcontracting some of that stuff out, you know, you're still paying staff obviously to do that work because it's very resource intensive and takes takes a lot of effort to do, right? But my whole point is, you know, if you have a budget of like 500 bucks and somebody has a budget of 10,000 bucks, obviously, you know, you can do a lot more with ten thousand, and it would it would be a lot quicker in order to uh, to show results. So one of the things that I've learned um, over the years of like offering, and we started offering SEO services, you know, fairly recently. Um, one of the main things I would say is, um, you know, a client has to have a healthy enough budget in order to make some good gains for them. Because a lot of this stuff takes uh, a lot of effort and uh, costs in order to implement as well. And um, so I would stay away from clients that, you know, have a limited budget just because you're kind of at odds. You know, they want to see results, but they're not necessarily investing enough to see results. And you're trying to, you know, make them happy by, by showing them results. And, and sometimes they're conflicting and it's hard to show results for a limited budget for a big site or a complicated site or a complicated niche, for example, or a competitive niche. So, so it's tricky. So I would, I would caution against that um, and work with clients that, that kind of understand that and that have uh, either understand that or have a healthy enough budget that you can make, uh, make a difference for them. So it, it wouldn't be any different then I'll give you a very practical example. I think it'll resonate with everybody is like uh, pay-per-click, right? So let's say you go to Google and you're like, hey, I have a hundred bucks a month to spend on my Google campaign, right? 
they'll say, great, you know, do your keyword research, you know, and then which, which keywords do you want to target? Right. And let's say your keyword is like, you know, web design Toronto, that's probably going to be like 15 bucks a click. Right. So how, how many clicks are you going to get for, um, you know, for a hundred bucks, right? Not too many uh, versus something like, that's maybe one cent a click, you know, maybe hundred bucks is enough. <laughs> you can get a lot of clicks with the hundred bucks, but it really depends on your niche and, and where you're at. And that's probably the easiest way to understand it. Like if you're targeting a, a, a niche, organic is very similar to that. If you're targeting a niche that's very saturated, uh, let's say CBD um, that, you know, a lot of people are doing organic because you can't do paid for in most cases. So you know, if you have a saturated market like that and it's very competitive, you know, that 500 bucks a month or a thousand bucks, it's not really going to get you anywhere um, because it's so competitive. It would be the same as paid ads. Again, that same example, if you had a hundred bucks and a cost per click is 50 bucks, well, guess what? You know, you, you click out after two clicks and uh, it doesn't really give you a lot of results. So that that's one thing that I would kind of caution against and even, um, I don't want to overpromise to people to say, hey, yeah, learn SEO and then you can charge people two grand a month. Um, it's uh, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that. And there is a lot of effort and expenditure when it comes to like, you know, actually showing some results uh, to people. So, yeah, we, so we definitely shouldn't take that client that's offering us fifty dollars a month to get on the first page of Google. No, gotcha. definitely not. Gotcha, <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's really good and practical advice. There, I think it's it's really key to it's really key to understand what will move the needle. Because again, if you take on that you know burden for five hundred dollars and you're all of a sudden not moving anything, because like you said, it's I mean for certain niches it's probably impossible to do it for that amount of money. Then everyone's kind of in a bad state because now your reputation's lower, the client's yeah. pissed off, and you're not making that much money to make it worth it. So like. It's, it's a really key piece of learning. And I think it, if you're starting to get into web development, the listeners out there, and you're starting to get into SEO and you get into that situation where you're sitting in the room and the client's like, I need to get on the first page of Google. This episode should warn you about not over-promising. That's re- that's a, if, if you're going to take something away from this, try to take that away from it. And obviously all the other tips that, uh, that Nat was saying as well. But before we wrap up, Nat, uh, I'd love to kind of get another practical thing out there for people that are more our audience as well as like the junior developers that have their own portfolio sites and they're trying to either get a job or get clients. Um, what are like the top three tips? Let's just go three where they what they could do today to increase traffic to their website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. <clears throat> so. One of my my number one tips is learn keyword research. I'd probably start there if I was starting today. Uh, learn about keyword research because it'll give you, it'll avoid a lot of wasted effort in terms of trying to rank for something that's maybe impossible to rank for. So do that. Um, fix any technical issues. That's my tip number two. Uh, that includes, you know, performance. That includes, you know, signing up for a free account on Ahrefs or SEMrush. Put in your uh, website URL, do an audit, you know, see what comes back, fix those things. That that alone will will help you improve. And then if you don't have a CMS, if you don't have a blog, um, you know, 
create a blog and and start uh, start creating content, right? And content, depending on what your uh, goal is, if your goal is to land a job, let's say as a web developer, you'd certainly, you know, blog about what you're doing, blog about your projects, blog about what you've learned, things like that, right? It doesn't have to be all about, you know, um, uh, getting clients or leads for your web design business. It could be, um, you know, something like getting a, a job as a web developer and a blog would be a great way to do that. So those would be my top three is like, you know, two are, two are a little bit more actionable. The first one is kind of learning related, but I would say, you know, it, it would have saved me personally if I was starting today, it would have saved me probably months of effort um, if I started with learning keyword research first, just so I know what I should and shouldn't target um, so that you can actually get some results out of your website um, uh, before even before anything. So, yeah, th those would be my top three. Learn keyword research, use an SEO tool, fix technical issues and implement the blog. Keyword research is key. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. <laughs> uh, I want to kind of pass it off to you to let you, you know, talk about where people can find you. You've given a ton of tips, a ton of value. So I want to make sure that, you know, if someone does need your services, they were able to contact you or if they want to just, you know, ask you a question or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter. My handle is Nat Militic, N-A-T-M-I-L-E-T-I-C. Um, I also have a website, cleowebsites.com. And you can find me on there. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions. I do have, um, I have a course coming up as well that I'm going to be launching on Gumroad. Um, I'll be posting that on my Twitter as well. Uh, so people that don't follow me, look for that as well. And uh, where I'll be going through a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today and sort of like how to start, how to implement it, how to actually do the hands-on stuff. You know, and uh, I think it'll be helpful uh, for people. And um, I also have a free WordPress course if people are interested um, on Gumroad as well. They can, you know, learn that if they're getting into SEO and are not super techie and want to kind of stay away from the tech stuff. They can also look at uh, kind of like a low low code option, which is uh, uh, related to WordPress. So yeah, but yeah. The, Twitter is my main thing, and uh, and I share a lot of tips like this online for free as well on there. Awesome. And we're going to leave the door open for maybe a WordPress episode in the future because I know that's your that's one of your biggest specialties. So stay tuned yeah, for that for maybe sure. uh, awesome. for everyone. And, uh, yeah, again, Nat, thank you for your time. Thanks for jumping on. This was a super valuable episode for Definitely. us, like for Matt and I, <laughs> and hopefully the audience. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks again for having me. A pleasure to chat with you guys today. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as we did, but it is time to end. But before we end the episode, we have to thank our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on selfmadewebdesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker via thewebhacker.com, DL Ford from dlford.io, Bib Hashash from Mindblock Media via nineblockmedia.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at TheRithic, and EduBloxians, game designed for kids via edubloxians.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. 
web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.